This is Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Here's Johnny. Oh, wait, what do you want? You want? Hey, motherfucker. You never go ask them out. Now what is so damn funny? And here we go. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. Force will be with you. Always. But the truth! You can't handle the truth! Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Four Real Movie Club. I am your host this month, Chris, the Dace Man Dace, and joining me this month here on the panel, Mr. Tony Mango. Woo! I need applause. <sighs> sure. And that, <laughs> and that bastard that gets all the films before Americans, Sean Walker. This is the first time I've ever done one of these. This is pretty cool. Really? Is it? Yeah. No, you've done a Four Real before, haven't you? No. Oh, well, you're off to a good start not watching all the movies. <laughs> I feel like as hosts, we should have known that. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> this month we'll be covering Mission Impossible films 1 through 4, because the new Mission Impossible movie is hitting theaters sometime soon, depending when you're listening to this, it may already be out. And depending so on what country you're in. <laughs> yeah, if you're Sean Walker, you've already got it. Two years ago. <laughs> Or you can get your Ant-Man movie and not go see it yet, even though that's the most excited movie you're about. Yeah, so, Sean. Sean. Right. I blame the kids. I blame kids. the ants. I, I don't have kids. No, my next door neighbors have kids, and they're fucking bitches. I hope they go missing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. It's going to be missing impossible. <laughs> we're going to use the word miss and go into Mission Impossible. <laughs> the first film is a 1996 American action spy film directed by Brian De Palma. Produced by and starring Tom Cruise pre-crazy days. Uh, it's based on the television series of the same name. The plot follows Ethan Hunt, played by Cruise, and his missions to uncover the mole who has framed him for the murders of his entire IMF team. That being said, as a synopsis, Tony, what were your initial thoughts on Mission Impossible, the first one? So, this is my um, theory when it comes to Mission Impossible movies. Mission Impossible is sort of the alternative take to James Bond. I'm a huge James Bond fan, and I kind of look at it as like Marvel and DC. Like, you go to, into Marvel expecting comedy, but with darker kind of like origin stories and stuff. DC, you go with lighthearted origin stories, darker movies. Bond films, you go in expecting a certain level of like cheesiness a little bit, but a darker edge. Mission Impossible's like, we're not going to have as much action, but it's going to be more on the spy thing. And I first saw Mission Impossible 2, I'll break that down a little bit later on, but that was my introduction to Mission Impossible. I never watched the series on TV because that was, you know, too old for me. But a couple years ago, I've mentioned this before on different podcasts, I went through a big, like, uh, binge watch of movies. I saw about 300 movies in a year, which was both awesome and terrifying because I had nothing else better to do. But uh, I binge-watched all of the Mission Impossible movies at that point, and the first Mission Impossible, it was a little tough for me to get through. And I was like, man, Mission Impossible 2 is a lot more action. I remember this because I had seen that before. And if all the other ones are as slow as this one, it's going to be a little bit of a pain. But 
you know, I've I've rewatched it now for this, and it's very eh, it's very hard to get through. But at the same time, it's it's kind of fun. Sean, what were your initial thoughts on the first Mission Impossible? Well, when I watched it the first time around, when I was back in high school, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Now that I'm older, I've watched it back. It hasn't aged all that great. No, it hasn't. And it kind of put me asleep twice when I tried to watch it. And I kept falling asleep at the same point when I kept getting onto the train. Other than that, not a lot to say, really. It's not fun to watch. It's not a fun experience. It's not anymore, anyways. James Bond is so much better. Yeah. Because he's British. Oh, shots fired. And he came out first, just like every other thing that happens in cinema. Bastard. (laughs) Well, Simpsons did it first. (laughs) All right, good point. (laughs) When it comes to casting, Tom Cruise is playing Ethan Hunt, the lead person. John Voight is uh, Jim Phillips. Emmanuel Burt. I bet you it's like Beert. It's got that French accent. Beert or something. Is uh, playing Claire Phillips. Phelps. Claire Phelps. Uh, Henry... Nope. As <laughs> Zerny, Eugene, I think it is. <laughs> Eugene Kittredge, uh Gene Reno as... Jean Reno. What the fuck? <laughs> as, as Krieger. Uh, Ving Reigns as Luther Stickle. Kristen Scott Thomas as Sarah Daves. And then a bunch of other people. When it comes to casting... Sean, we'll start with you on this one. What, how did you feel about the casting for Mission Impossible? The first one. The first one? I thought the casting was kind of bland. They they all seemed to have like the same character to me, apart from the French guy who's always in everything. Jean Reno. Is is that the one who was in Godzilla? Yeah, and um, Leon the professional, and God, he's been in so many different things. He's kind of the guy that pops up. And when we were even watching, uh, was it July Fourth or whatever, when we were watching all those stupid uh, commercials, days. He even mm-hmm. popped up on one of those, I think. Yeah, I know. What the fuck? It's like Pink Panther, and you're just kind of... Every once in a while, you're like, oh, there's that guy. He's, he's the go-to Frenchman. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the black guy, he played his part. He's very comedic, I suppose. And everybody seems <laughs> to be the same height as um Tom Cruise, even though Tom Cruise is short. So I don't know what they did stills. there. He must have... Yeah, he must have been on stills. Christ. Or they stretched Tony, what were your thoughts on the cast? You God, Sean, you hate everything. <laughs> I'm British, I'm alone. By the way, I love how you stopped doing the casting when you got to whoever plays Hannah Williams. Oh, yeah, oh, that was not gonna happen. I'm gonna give it a shot. The Swedish chef from the Muppets. Yeah, and Vanessa Redgrave. <laughs> oh, wait. I missed Emilio Estevez. I'm I, sorry. I was, that's the other thing I was going to bring up. <laughs> Emilio Estevez. Like, holy shit. That's one of the biggest shockers of this whole film. Like, Estevez pops up. And, you know, when I watched this the first time, I was just like, oh, fuck. Estevez is in this. Wait a minute. He died? <laughs> God damn. The guy gets killed in, like, the first opening scene, basically. And that actually starts a trend with other uh, movies that a big name star gets killed pretty early on. But uh, casting, I mean, I don't know. Like, I like Tom Cruise a lot more than, like, a lot of other people do. He's not the best actor in the world, but I think that he gets a lot of flack for how crazy he is. And that doesn't mean that he's not a bad actor or anything. Like, he 
pulled off, you know, being able to like be an action star kind of like, and not in like the Arnold Schwarzenegger type of way. Like I would never buy into say Jean-Claude Van Damme being into the IMF. That dude is not stealthy at all. (laughs) It would be like, okay, well you need to infiltrate this building. And he'd be like, all right, well, how do I drop kick it? And you're like, well, you can't, it's a building. And you'd be like, well, shit, then I don't know what else to do. But Tom Cruise, you know, he's somebody who, uh, I, I buy him as an action star. And he looks a little weird in this movie. Like, he kind of came into his own a little bit the other ones. He looks a little, like, young and, I don't know, like a rookie. At the same time, though, you got John Voight, who's playing the old, uh, what's a good word for, like, curmudgeon, I guess. Who <laughs> He's apparently from the TV show. That character was from the show, and a lot of people were complaining about that they, like, sort of kept that going and made him bad. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, he's bad. No! <laughs> but it's decent enough casting. Like, John Voight's the kind of guy that I, I could hate. <laughs> it sounds pretty bad. <laughs> and at the I same time, too. people like Ving Rhames, he's cool, and uh, Emmanuel Bayard or Beert or Burton Ernie or whatever. She's hot, so you know a lot of the people I do agree though they're they're kind of bland, like and that's why they get killed off so early, except for Estevez because he's the shit. <laughs> quack, quack. Dude, if they quack, would have been doing that. That would have been great. If fucking Goldberg would have came up. He's the one that Goldberg. does the knuckle Goldberg. Right? No, that's Keenan Thompson. Oh, he doesn't. Look, wait, which one's Goldberg then? Goldberg's the goalie that fucking sucks. <laughs> Gets he's replaced by girl in the second one. He's the one with the curly hair that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to switch to the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <before> <laughs> we're real movie club. Is there uh, Mighty Ducks movies? There's only three. Shit. I killed Emilio in this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a three real movie club. <laughs> Pour one out for Emilio. Um, when it comes to spy movies, and this obviously is part of that genre, uh, we're spoiled with things like Kingsman these days. And, you know, of course, the new Mission Impossible is coming out, and we have to try to top that that came out in February. And then you have James Bond coming out in the fall. For 1996, and we'll start with you, Tony, because you're a huge spy movie buff. Um, I am. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? Did it, did it live up to the spy movie tradition uh, genre? Better than most, I think. And that's uh, this is kind of it's a little bit boring, like we said. But at the same time, spy things aren't really as action packed in real life. Like. You know, you you look at a Bond film and you think, like, spies, that must be an awesome job. You're, like, jumping out of airplanes and you're shooting people and you've got these gadgets, like an exploding pen. And you, you talk to actual spies and they're like, yeah, we sat in a van for 48 hours and pissed in a jar and all we got out of the whole thing was that they said a name. Whoa, we did our job. Like, a lot of stuff is more boring and... I like that in the Mission Impossible films, they don't just go with a lot of the spy things or a lot of the other kind of, like, spy-ish action, action movies. Like, I know the Transporter is not a spy, but, you know, if you go to see a spy film, you kind of expect that kind of stuff now. Mission Impossible goes for more of, now we're going to have to, you know, break into this building, so we need to plan it out ahead of time, and we need to do, like, field work and... The one problem I have with it, though, is I hate the masks. Like, these films revolve around this idea that somebody can make a mask to look like somebody else and use this voice modulator, and it's such a MacGuffin. 
Like, or actually, it's not a MacGuffin. I'm using the wrong term there. It's such a Deus Ex Machina because every I MacGuffin. <laughs> <laughs> well, the MacGuffin's what they're trying to get in films. Deus Ex Machina is just like, ah, oh, this will fix the problem. Like, because these movies, like every single one of these movies, they have a part in it where it turns out like that's not the real one. He actually took the mask off, and it was somebody else. And you're like, God damn it! Like, <laughs> it pisses me off. But, you know, it, it works well when it comes to the spy stuff. And I guess that's the, the more fantasy element of the spy stuff. If you're not going to have exploding pens, you'll have masks that people can't possibly make. Sean, what were your thoughts on the whole movie fitting in with the spy genre? The the gadgets or the McMuffin? <laughs> the the, the <laughs> McMuffin. Because <laughs> uh, I really want this McMuffin. <laughs> That's what the next movie's about. They're like, you need to infiltrate McDonald's. The, the, the only issue, the only issue I had with this this film, when it comes to the gadgets, is that the fact that the entire CIA spy list can fit on a floppy disk. <laughs> like, well, a floppy disk is what, like thirty-two megabytes, if that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or, or was it a bit less? I I don't know. I can't remember. But fuck me, you can't hold a lot of information on that one word document, and you're fucked. I've had Word documents fit... that can't fit on there, so fine. <laughs> Are you supposed to fit, like, a hundred spy guys on a fucking floppy disk? Give me a break. <laughs> or McMuffin recipe. And, and the VHS tape at the beginning of the fil- film, where the dude puts it in the, in the airplane, it's like, you guys have VHS players on airplanes. Yeah, we still have radio. It, isn't it funny that they have, like it starts smoking on the plane and instead of being like, Oh my God, this is, you know, going to cause a fire. He lights a cigarette and they're like, Oh, okay. Well, it's okay for you to just smoke on the plane instead. <laughs> like, well, you know, allowed to smoke on the plane anymore. Cause you know, nine 11 happened. Mm-hmm. You're also not allowed to blow up tapes on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> to give you some facts about, uh, the first film, uh, the screenplay was by David, uh, Cope. Robert Town, and these are names I can say, uh, and it's based on Mission Impossible by Bruce Geller. Um, the music was done by Danny Elfman, uh, cinematography by Stephen H. Burham. Elfman did the by, music? Yeah. Distributed by Paramount Pictures, released May 22nd, 1996, with a runtime of 110 minutes. Uh, and its budget was $80 million, and the box office was $457.7 million. So that's your facts on the Mission Impossible first film. Now we're going to do high points, slow points. We'll start with you, Tony, and a rating 1 to 10. Two high points of this film, i got to say, are Ving Rhames, because he's the man. And the best part of the whole thing is uh, the vault scene. That tension is so great and it's weird because like one of the other great parts about this is the the theme itself which is just awesome one of the best theme songs that anything ever has you know you can't listen to the and not be like oh this is kind of cool but what's great about the vault scene there's no music whatsoever it's just pure tension and seeing like you know the the kind of like well uh, the bead of sweat's gonna fall down and all that. Like, if they would have had some kind of weird music in the background, it really would have taken away from it. But you feel, you know, kind of trapped in that scene. That's cool. The low point, though, probably the opening scene. And it's not because Estevez dies, because that's cool. 
even though it's like, oh, damn it, I like Estevez. But, uh, or well, that's not technically the opening scene that he dies in. But uh, opening scenes just kind of, I don't know, like, they, they build this idea that, like, well, we've got the person, and they they go out of their way to, like, show that they're spies and stuff, but it's kind of hokey a little bit. I don't know. Like, it's not the, the thing that would sell me on there. I'm used to the Bond films having their pre-credit sequence, and it being, like, this over-the-top action thing that's, like, super cool, and Bond gives some kind of a, you know, witty little phrase at the end, and then it cuts to some loud Shirley Bassey theme, you gold finger, this is a fucking movie you're gonna watch, and, like, you know, but that wasn't the best thing, so you kind of have to suffer a little bit, and then get into the meatier parts of the film. And what was your rating, 1 to 10? Oh, uh, that? I'm actually gonna give probably every single one of these movies a 6 out of 10, because they're not great, but they're not bad at all. Like, they're ones that I I could recommend to people, but they're not ones that I could just pop on at any time. Alright, Sean, what's your high point, low point, and a rating 1 to 10? Uh, the high point, for me, I got two. Again, the vault scene is really good. The way it's quiet and everything. The way it's set up. The other one for me is the dude who dies on the elevator shaft. In the elevator shaft, when the elevator just goes up and it crushes him to death. That was pretty cool. Good old Estevez. That, that, that's Estevez? Yeah, that's Estevez. Oh, uh, well, fuck me. That death is fucking incredible. He just looks at his own death. Ah, it's going to hit me in the face. Ah, it yep, hit me in the like face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, low points. Uh, there was way too much dialogue, and Ethan doesn't actually shoot anybody. That's true. He doesn't fire a gun at all. For a spy film, you would expect your main character to shoot someone. That's Scientology for you. Does it count that John Voight shoots himself? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Sean, what was your rate, uh, rating 1 to 10? Uh, back in the day, I would have given it a, a high number, but as I've watched it recently and it's put me to sleep, I'm going to give it a 3. Whew. Damn. That's low, man. Well, yeah, anything that puts me to sleep is fucking terrible, you know? God. I want to be invested in these films, not bored to sleep. You're the guy that hated the Avengers, too. <laughs> Just use that as your basing, people that are listening. Uh, we're going to roll into the next Mission Impossible film, Mission Impossible 2. There is no subtitle. So <laughs> <laughs> That is the name of the movie. <laughs> if you choose to accept, you could click to the next film. Otherwise, this will blow up in whatever time limit we have left. I'm lying. Just click the damn link. Go to the next film. <laughs> uh, check us out on YouTube. So here we go. We're going to roll right into Mission Impossible 2. Welcome back to the 4 Real Movie Club. We are on to our second film here, Mission Impossible 2. I'd like to make a correction from the last video. Sean Walker didn't hate the Avengers. He hated Guardians of the Galaxy, so hate him even more because that movie made more money than the Avengers. So, moving on with the, uh, yeah, billions of dollars. Billions and billions of dollars. Think of a gross national. I should know this. We did a four-year-old movie club on it. <laughs> well, to be fair, the only Marvel film I actually did like was The Incredible Hulk. The Edward Norton one. What? Oh, oh God. He breaks and the heart. first Iron Man film. Okay, that's fine. But, oh, God. Mission Impossible <laughs> 2 is a 2000 American action spy film directed by John. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> starring Tom Cruise. 
who also served as the film's producer. It is the sequel to Brian De Palma's 96 Mission Impossible film, which if you've not listened to the 4 Real Movie Club we had just previously did in the video before, go back and listen to it before you listen to this because it's not going to make sense when we're talking to you. Duh. So, Mission Impossible 2 has Cruz reprising his role as Agent Ethan Hunt on of the IMF, a top-secret espionage and... Eh, that's what it does. I can't say that word. The film is the second installment of the franchise and was followed by the third one, which came out in 2006, and we'll be talking about next. Initial thoughts, Tony Mango. All right, now, when I first watched Mission Impossible 2, it was in theaters, and I had still kind of, like, I I was into the James Bond series, but I was still kind of fresh into it. I was, you know, young, kind of. Uh, 2000, I was, what, middle school? Yeah. So, that was something where, like, I kind of went into it expecting James Bond, and I thought that it was a little bit cheesier, and I, I didn't like it as much, but rewatching it all this time around and stuff, I gotta say, compared to Mission Impossible 1, massive upgrade in a lot of different ways, uh, especially the visuals, like, holy shit, it's only a couple years later, and they've gone from these, like, tapes to something where you've got, like, it seems like it's in 2000 and the action's a lot better. It's a lot more digestible, I guess, but it kind of dumbs itself down. So it's sort of like a give and take. And I think if I were to watch any of these movies and just kind of like put it on mission possible two might be the one that I would put on. Cause it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of dumb and whatever like that, but, uh, it's an easier film to watch. Ed and, um, yeah, I like it overall. Sean, what were your initial thoughts on Mission Impossible 2? That Tom Cruise looks better with long hair. Yo, he is... This is ridiculous. I have this note from watching this. I literally have a note that says, Tom Cruise is handsome as fuck. Because <laughs> it's like, you're watching that opening scene and you're just like, that's a good-looking guy. <laughs> he is He is a good-looking guy with long hair. For sure, he looks like a dweeb. Yes, he looks... <laughs> he looks, I don't know, rugged. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing uh, looking at the movie poster. I'm like, Jesus, he looks good with good long hair. It's like, do I look like that? I hope I look like that. I'm Tom Cruise. Go ahead. You do look like that. Is that was that the initial thought you had? Was like, Jesus Christ, this guy's smoking hot. Sean's watching it the whole time and he's just swooning. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And uh, the opening scene was pretty badass on the cliff side when they like drag racing. That was pretty cool. Oh, I think I sold on James Bond. Yeah, it's another note that I wrote down here. The golden eye parallels for this movie are ridiculous. That car chase is exactly the goddamn same. And you even have, like, golden eye's got 006 becomes a villain. Well, this becomes basically like 006 to Ethan Hunt becomes a villain. And then Bond, you know, they, they took the knock list thing from the first film and Skyfall, so they're kind of even, I guess. Now, Tom Cruise is pretty good at rock climbing. If that was Tom Cruise, it was probably a body, body double. The gadgets were a lot cooler in this film as well. I just thought you were going to compliment Tom Cruise the entire time. <laughs> well, well, Tom Cruise has got that little tush, you know? <laughs> Other cast... A lot better as well. And the plot was a little bit better. Other cast members besides Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt saw Doug Ray Scott. Stupid name. As Sean Ambrose, uh, Thandie Newton. Where do they find these people? <laughs> Jesus. Ving Rhames re returns as Luther Stickle. 
Richard Roxburgh as Hugh Stamp. Ronald, German last name, is John Thompson, with a really American last name. Uh, John Paulson is Billy Bard. Uh, Brendan Gleason is John C. McCloy. Anthony Hopkins as Mission Commander Swanbeck. And other people. <laughs> nah, yeah, if you're looking at the same cast list as I am, Tony, you know why I stopped. You're not, you're not going to try Raid? Uh, I'll say Raid. Whatever the... <laughs> is there a mark? Is that my computer screen? No, there's a mark above the S. I don't even know what the fuck so that means. Rade, maybe? But do you see the mark above the S? I do I like know. how he's got he two different names me. according to IMDB, though. He's either Sir Bed... Something or Sherbegia. See, Sherbegia is how we Americanized it. <laughs> Give me his character's that, name. <laughs> uh, why don't you said Anthony Hopkins? I always thought you were on about the chef. My bad. Chef. chef. Yeah, there's a chef in the UK called Anthony Hopkins. My bad. Huh. Does he eat people like Anthony Hopkins? No, but apparently <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is Welsh. Who knew? You can't take everything, damn it! <laughs> so, Joe, what did you think of the cast? I think I think it's fucking fantastic. It's a watch, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tandy, Tony, Newton, what were your thoughts on the cast? Tandy Newton's from London, and Dugray Scott's what, Australian or something? Oh, it's Dugray. No, Dugray Scott, I think, might be Welsh too, or maybe he's Scottish. I don't know. He's something. He's not American. Damn it, um, Sean. <laughs> Some funny things about the, the casting side of things. Uh, Tandy Newton, or Tandy Newton? I think it's Tandy. I don't know, shit. Um, she was cast before the movie was, like, finished writing. And I think that it was, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Nicole Kidman. I think she suggested her. Which is a little bit weird if that's the case. If she was just kind of like, hey, husband, you know who you should bang in this movie? <laughs> Good old Newton. Uh, Wait, Tom Cruise was married to Nicole Kidman? Yeah. I missed this. That's like why the whole film Eyes Wide Shut exists. Mm, I kind of missed it. I thought he was married to what's the name? Penelope. Was that different cruise? That's I different cruise. <laughs> they did bang in Vanilla Sky though. So, um, Dugray Scott though, the reason why he isn't Wolverine is because of this movie. He was originally cast as Wolverine, and the shooting on this one went on too long, so they needed to replace him. And thank God they did because we got Hugh Jackman. Oh, ah! Jackman. Bet you he's punching himself in the nards. Right, he's sitting there going, "God damn it, I was that guy in Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> like, now you're in Taken Three as a steward. <laughs> Just look at his IMDb real quick. Anthony Hopkins is awesome, though. I love the idea that he's kind of like in charge, and you know, if he was going to be like M in the Bond films, I'd buy it because Anthony Hopkins is awesome, and uh, Newton's hot, so they kept that going on, and Tom Cruise even hotter than she is. <laughs> Ving Rhames coming back, that's awesome. He's like one of the best characters in this whole franchise, so that was cool. Dukeary Scott is the only good villain of the whole thing, though. Like, all the other villains are so kind of just blah. Even the, the guy, uh, I think it's Stamp, which is kind of funny because even one uh, one of the Bond films has Stamper. It's like, <laughs> they just really kind of were like, let's just do Bond stuff. But... Even Stamp is just kind of like, that's your big henchman, is this guy who, like, is missing part of his finger. You know, yeah. Do you feel that, uh, we'll start with you, Tony, that the sequel, like, obviously this has turned into a major franchise now. 
but do you feel that the sequel was justified based on the way Mission Impossible 1 was received? Well, what did you say that it was? Uh, it made... It cost uh, $80 million and it made $400 million? 447 By that rationale, I'd be like, yeah, shit, we gotta do a movie. Like, And it's something that's built off of a franchise, too. Like, they've already had the TV series, so it's kind of, like, built in that you could get three movies at the very least out of it. I'm kind of surprised that they're doing their fifth movie, and obviously they're more than likely going to do a sixth one, but Mission Impossible 2, uh, I like how they they changed things up in a sequel instead of just cashing in and doing the exact same thing as the other one, because then it would have just been boring. Makes sense. Sean, do you feel that the sequel was justified? Did you fall asleep? I did fall asleep in the sequel, yeah. I can't remember what part I fell asleep in. I think it was um around about the time when they got to the castle. Was that the part? Was that number two? I don't know. I wasn't no. watching you sleep. <laughs> no, no, number two was... I, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I can't remember where I fell asleep. I know I fell asleep relatively early when I was trying to watch this. But I can't remember where. <laughs> the opening title sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Probably not me. But I, I, I enjoyed these films when... When they first come out, they're not the type of films like I like to go back and watch. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, it does. Um, just to give you some facts about the movie. It was produced by Tom Cruise and Paula Wagner. Uh, stories by Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga. Uh, based on, of course, the TV show. Music this time was done by Hans Zimmer. I thought it was Limp Bizkit. They're on the side, yeah. Well. Cinematography by Jeffrey L. Kimball. Uh, it was distributed by Paramount Pictures, released May 24th, 2000, with a runtime of 123 minutes, uh, with a budget of $125 million and a box office of $546.3 million. So it cost a little bit more to make, but they got a little bit more money back. Tony, high point, low point, and a ranking 1 to 10 on Mission Impossible 2. Uh, side note, if you follow John Woo, which I don't follow, like, you know, to a T, it's not like Tarantino or something like that, but... Uh, you got the John Woo touch in this movie, which is a funny thing to watch because you can see, like, he loves doves. And in this movie, there's the sequence at the end where it's just kind of like, Dove City, like, dude, there's fucking doves. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a shot where uh, there's a doorway and Tom Cruise comes out and it's just kind of like, you know, this dramatic, like, dude, Ethan Hunt's badass and so is this dove. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's fucking funny. But highlight of this movie, without a doubt, is the music. I love the soundtrack to this. I'm a big fan of Hans Zimmer. And actually, out of like all... I've got tons and tons of movie soundtracks in my collection that I listen to, and a lot of it's Hans Zimmer or people that sound like him, part of the remote control production crew, which I'm getting really nerdy here by saying that. But uh, his music is friggin' beautiful in it, especially two tracks. Uh, Naya's theme that they play in, you know, like, throughout the whole film and stuff like that, but particularly Seville is the track that everybody should listen to. That's my favorite scene of the whole film, the intro where they're doing the... Uh, the intro to her character, I should say, where they're doing, like, that heist scene, and you've got the, um, whatever the dancers would be, like, the, they're, like, tangoing or something like that. They're like, they're stomping all over the place and stuff. That song is amazing. And so is the song Injection, which plays when she shoots herself up with the virus. That is beautiful to listen to. So if you ever are like, 
I want to experience something positive about Mission Impossible 2, but I don't want to watch all the whole film and shit, because you'd rather watch GoldenEye, because it's much, much better. <laughs> Just listen to Naya's theme, Seville, and Injection from the soundtrack, and that's good enough right there. Um, least favorite scene, the horse stuff. Damn, that's hard to get through. And that's, again, better done in a Bond film, A Vita Will Kill. And uh, it's just like that bad lull part of the film where you know where it's going to lead, but they're still just kind of like dragging it out a little bit, which wasn't necessary. And apparently the original cut of this movie was over three hours long. (laughs) So they probably had so many more scenes like that. And they're just like, yo, John the fuck man did we really need this like 40 minute sequence of doves and he's like ah, all right like <laughs> but that scene's tough to get through and you know um that's a huge negative but huge positive when it comes to the music uh rating one to ten i probably still would have to stick with my six but maybe if i was going to be a little bit more generous i'd, I'd bump it a six and a half because it, it is better than the first film sean what was your high point low point and a rating one to ten my high point is Tom Cruise's hair. It just, it just looks so much better in this. I don't, I don't get what you say. I don't disagree. <laughs> so much better. And and the opening car scene, that was pretty, pretty badass. Uh, low point, uh, again, this film put me to sleep. I'm sad to say. <laughs> it's not my fault. They, they, they go on for too long. If it was an hour and 20 minutes, I'd be fine with it. But... For some odd reason, films no longer like to be one hour twenty minutes. You know, what was your rating? Short now? attention span. What's your rating one to ten? Am I rating? I'd probably give this a six just because of Tom Cruise's hair. <laughs> <laughs> you rate the first one that you stayed awake in a three, but this one a six because Tom Cruise grew out his hair. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yup, I did. It just looks so much better. <laughs> I can't wait to see your rating on the next one. <laughs> you guys should tune in to the next episode or next part of this episode of the Four Real Movie Club where we talk about Mission Impossible 3. Still couldn't think of a subtitle. Oh, bam. <laughs> so go ahead, click the link, move on, five minutes till you die or not. Sean Walker will come get you. Check out the next, ep- uh, next part of the Four Real Movie Club with Mission Impossible next. Welcome back, all you moviegoers, to the Four Real Movie Club, and this is part three of the Four Real Movie Club this month where we're talking about Mission Impossible. So that means we're talking about Mission Impossible 3 because they weren't clever enough to give it a subtitle. Mission Impossible 3 came out the year that yours truly graduated in 2006, and of course, it's still an American action spy film. They didn't move it to London or anything, so calm your tits there, Sean Walker. Uh, It's co-written and directed by J.J. Abrams, and this is his first film as a director, which stars Tom Cruise, who also served as a producer in the role, uh, and also in the main role of IMF agent Ethan Hunt. The film was first released April 26th, damn it, I wasn't actually out of school, at the Tribeca (laughs) Film Festival, and widely released in the United States on May 5th, 2006, still not out of school. The film was a box office success, and it received mostly positive critical reviews. Let's see what our panel gives. Tony, what is your initial thoughts on Mission Impossible 3? Man, is this a darker film? Like, holy shit. You go from the first Mission Impossible, which is kind of cheesy, fun, sort of like, you know, even though people get killed and, you know, the very opening is like, everybody's dead except for Ethan kind of a thing. And the second one's got this virus that could kill anybody and whatever. 
this movie just starts out like, we're going to fucking kill your wife. And you're like, yo, dude, <laughs> like, fuck you. No. But uh, as dark of a movie as it is in comparison to it, it kind of makes it more fun in a way. Like, I think it's probably the like a, a step up in terms of quality. And maybe that's from J.J. Abrams because that guy knows what he's doing. And uh, I like it. Sean, what were your thought, initial thoughts on Mission Impossible 3? All, in all honesty, I can't remember it. Because <laughs> he cut his damn hair. <laughs> he, he did cut his hair. Yeah, I'm looking at the poster now. He cut his hair. Simon Pegg is in it, so that's not too bad. J.J. Abrams has got a thing for Simon Pegg. Like, a massive yeah. hard-on for him or something. Yeah, he's also in the Star Wars Episode Seven. He's a creature, but... And Star Trek. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Damn, he does have a hard-on for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you get a little bit into the casting... Uh, Tom Cruise, of course, reprises his role as Ethan Hunt. Philip Seymour Hoffman is Owen Davian, the most infamous black market dealer. Ving Rhames returns as Luther Stickwell. Uh, Billy Crudup as John Musgrave. Uh, Michelle Mo- Monaghan, 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 Mohegan? Stickle and uh, <laughs> Davian, and I think it's Monaghan. Monaghan. Ah, fuck these names. <laughs> these are normal names. They're not the foreign ones. It's true. It plays Julia Mead. Uh, Carrie Russell is Lindsay Ferris. Maggie Q is Zen Lee. Jonathan Rice Myers. Myers. <laughs> Jonathan wow. Rice Mer, Uncle Ben something. <laughs> uh, plays Deacon Gormley. Gormley. Declan. <laughs> Declan Gormley. Oh, man. Oh, now you got me doing it. Declan De- Gormley. Oh, is that an I? Oh, fuck. Uh, Simon Pegg is Benji Dunn. <laughs> Eddie Morrison is Brownway. It's like one fucking name. <laughs> Alright, I'm cool with it. I was able to say it. Lawrence Fishburne is Theodore Brassel. Uh, and Aaron Paul is Rick Mead. I only see Aaron Paul because he was in Breaking Bad. Uh, Sean, we'll start with you on this one. What do you think of the casting? I, I like the casting because Simon Pegg, I like Simon Pegg. I like anything that he's in. And um, isn't the black guy who plays... Um, Harry White in this, yeah, that's Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty boss. And the dude from the Hunger Games who's dead, he's pretty boss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny. It's really not at all. Like it's a shame that he's dead. It's probably the way he dies. The way he dies in Mission Impossible Three, though, what I remember about it is pretty fucking boss. Where where <laughs> Ethan just lifts him up and he just plows into the fucking car. <laughs> that is a pretty Great. like no. <laughs> Tony, what are your thoughts on casting? All right, so Philip Seymour Hoffman is awesome as a villain, and you buy him as being like this cold-blooded bastard immediately on. Billy Crudup is really good when it comes to being somebody who, I mean, well, he's totally the villain. Like you know, <laughs> as soon as he's popping up on the screen, you're like, oh, this guy's gonna be the villain because he's a good guy, and they do that in all these kind of movies. Uh, but at the same time, to balance that out, Lawrence Fishburne's good as being that asshole that you kind of are like, well, maybe he is a villain because he's a real dick. But one of the things I like about this movie, I like how they they used well-known enough people that uh, it kind of like brought a lot of like star power to it. But at the same time, they weren't so well-known that you can only see the people and not the characters. Like Maggie Q is not just like, oh, Maggie Q's on screen. She's actually Zen Lee, and 
Jonathan Rice Myers is just, you know, the background another agent. And I actually didn't even know that Aaron Paul was in this. I didn't recognize him. And Carla Geller is in this too. I didn't recognize her either. Um, big upgrade when it comes to Simon Pegg being added into this franchise. He's really uh, a good character that they've put in there. And I liked how Kerry Russell was the character that got killed early on. I mentioned that earlier that they, they kill off somebody at the beginning of these films a lot. And, you know, you start off this movie and you're assuming that Kerry Russell is going to be a big character and bloop, there goes her brain. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. She's just kind of like, oh, thanks for bleep. I'm dead. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to talk about on this movie, besides casting, is we, we mentioned it when we first kicked off, was J.J. Abrams is kind of making his director's debut with this film. Um, and we know he is tied to so many Great films that are going on right now. Star Trek, the first two. Uh, Star Wars Episode Seven. The man knows what he's doing. And Bad Robot. It's a bad Robot. Um, Tony, what were your thoughts on his directing and his debut into like the big action-packed blockbuster? I didn't even know that this was his first movie. And damn, he did a good job. Like Most first films are kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. But this is something that took the franchise into a whole new level. It's kind of like the beginning of where it's been lately. Like, Ghost Protocol takes it even more into a different level, but there's a clear divide when it comes to Mission Impossible 1 and Mission Impossible 2, and then there's another clear divide between 2 and 3, and he's been involved ever since then, and maybe that's why 3 and 4 and 5 all kind of seem alike, but I like that direction, and he deserves a lot of credit for that, I I assume. J.J. Abrams, man, you're you're killing it. Good job, dude franchise. Better fuck viral. up Star Wars. <laughs> I feel bad for the guy that's got a follow-up. Um, Sean, what were your thoughts on J.J. Abrams' directorial debut? I think he did a solid job. That's Wait. what I remember of this film. And all yeah. honesty, I completely skipped this film because I couldn't find it online and I couldn't find it on Netflix. <laughs> and so, his hair. His so hair was I, only, I only watched like the 15 minutes on <laughs> Cinema sins, so shout out to them. Said, <laughs> <laughs> so, nope, fuck it. He did. He got a haircut. I'm done. Yep. Moving on. So I like how you're like, oh, he did a good job directing this movie that I didn't watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, so good, I, I didn't watch it. <laughs> so Jeremy I, I, did a good job directing the Cinema Sins. His first debut film was on Star Trek, to be honest. That's the first time I ever heard his name mentioned. <laughs> to give you some facts about the movie... The screenplay was by Alex Kurtzman, Robert Orsi, and J.J. Abrams. Um, music was by Michael Giacchino now. Giacchino, I think. Giacchino. Yeah. Giacchino. <laughs> Michael Cannoli. Cinematography was done by <laughs> Dan Mendel. Uh, there's a shitload of production companies, but it was distributed by Paramount Pictures. It was released May 5th, 2006, uh, with a runtime of 125 minutes, budget of 150 million, and it doubled its profits, uh, profits at the box office with $397.9 million. Tony, what were the high points, low points, and ranking 1 to 10 on Mission Impossible 3? Uh, you know, my least favorite part of the film is something that's very entertaining to watch. Actually, you know what? I'll put it this way. There's two things that I would say are the low points of this movie. One of them's really entertaining and it's stupid, and the other one is not entertaining and it makes sense. Um, it's tough to get through the setup of the marriage because it's kind of flat and boring, 
but it's totally necessary. And by the way, Michelle Monaghan, like, I would totally marry her. That's like perfect casting when it comes to uh, somebody who I would buy into being like, well, she's, you know, beautiful and she's so calm and she's a nurse. So that's great. And, you know, I really like that casting on there. I forgot to mention that earlier. That's a bad point, though, because it, it takes a while to get through and you kind of want to just get into the action. But as like tough as that is to get through, but necessary, the flip side is the fun but ridiculous running through Shanghai <laughs> That scene where he just bolts and he's running as fast as he can in total Tom Cruise fashion. All you gotta do is look at like a gif of it and you'll, you'll see how like retarded it is. Like he's running like he's a goddamn Olympic athlete or something. Like and, Usain Bolt. <laughs> yeah. And man, it's like, <laughs> it's just funny. You're not supposed to think that it's funny at all. But he makes it hilarious, and that that took me out of the film immediately. Like, I've watched this movie, I think, three times, maybe? Maybe only twice. And I forgot that that was in there when I was rewatching this, and I literally just cracked the fuck up, and I forgot that he was running towards, like, trying to save his almost dying wife and stuff. Just like, wow, this is a really action-packed scene, and then like that, he's fucking running. <laughs> uh, favorite part of the movie is actually a line of dialogue out of the whole thing. It's something that Lawrence Fishburgen says, I will bleed on the flag to make sure those stripes stay red. Like, that's badass. <laughs> you know, you go fucking kick the shit out of everybody else, Lawrence Fishburne. You're a fucking man. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give the film a... Uh, six and a half, seven. Nice. Sean? Ooh. What was the uh, high point and low point of the 10 minutes you saw? And what would you rank those 10 minutes? Uh, the, the, the high point, uh, like Tony said, was the running. <laughs> I, I saw that. That, that. that was the thing. <laughs> CinemaSins actually sped that up as well. So if you want to watch that, it was pretty I'm funny. watching it right now. It is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how he's running, though. He looks like the T-1000 or something. I feel like I can't judge him because I know I look like this when I run on a treadmill. And <laughs> <laughs> the dude's death with the car. That was pretty boss. So those are my, those are my two high points. No, and Simon Pegg is in this. There you go. Three high points. Uh, low point. Low point. It was only 15 minutes long. If Cinema Sins was to put in <laughs> for like 20 to 30 minutes, I would have had more of a story. <laughs> yeah, you could watch the movie. <laughs> Oh, this ah, movie's too short. <laughs> and I would give I would give Cinema Sins a ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, folks. If you want to watch the review about the review that we're currently reviewing, check out Cinema Sins because Sean gives it a ten out of ten. Otherwise, keep your butts planted. Click to the next video because we're gonna roll into Admission Impossible for Ghost Protocol. We finally found a subtitle. <laughs> Welcome back to the Four Real Movie Club. We are in our final section here of the Mission Impossible Four Real Movie Club. And we're talking about Mission Impossible 4, Ghost Protocol. It's a 2011, you bet it, American action spy film. It's the fourth installment of the franchise and director Brad Bird's first live-action film. It still stars Tom Cruise, who reprises his role as Ethan Hunt, and now has Jeremy Renner. Returning is Simon Pegg. And also introducing Paula Patton to the 
franchise as his supporting team. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Ghost Protocol was written by Andre Nemec and Josh Applebaum and produced by Cruz, J.J. Abrams, and Brian Burke. Tony, what were your initial thoughts on Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol? I think that this is a good step in the right direction as well. Like, these movies kind of keep getting better in a way, and they they sort of know, like, what the problems are with the other ones, and they kind of undo them and stuff. This is probably the easiest movie out of all of them to watch. You know, we've kind of been ragging on, like, some of the boring parts of the other ones. I would say it it doesn't hold up as well if you just watched this one without seeing the other ones, because you don't know what the story is and... Especially when it comes to Mission Impossible 3, because there's a big through line to this movie that you have to have seen Mission Impossible 3 to care about. But I think if you were going to sit somebody down and go, well, you should watch one of these Mission Impossible films to see if you might like the franchise, probably Ghost Protocol is the best one. Sean, what were your initial thoughts on Mission Impossible Ghost oh, I, Protocol? I agree 100% with what Tony has said. This, for me, was the easiest one to watch out of the three. I enjoyed this one. The only reason why I fell asleep is because I had a mind green. Otherwise, I would have stayed up and watched it all. I, I enjoyed this film a lot. Uh, just to run through some of the cast, as I already said, Tom Cruise is back as Ethan Hunt. Jeremy Renner debuts as William Brandt. Uh, Simon Pegg returns as Benji Dunn. Paula Patton is Jane Carter. Michael Nyquil is Kurt Hendricks. <laughs> Vlad- Vladimir Machkov is... Jesus Christ. Sidorov? kept calling him Vladimir. Uh, skip, 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 <laughs> Josh Holloway as Trevor Hannaway. Skip, skip, skip. Tom Wilkinson as an uncredited, uh, uncredited IMF secretary. Ving Rames is uncredited cameo as Luther Stickle. Uh, Michelle Monaghan is uncredited cameo as Hunt's wife. Lavel Crawford is a cameo as Julia's bodyguard. Mike Dupont is Kremlin subseller hallway guard. Okay, now we're getting to people we don't care about. Um, <laughs> the guy's like, yeah, I was mentioned on a podcast. <laughs> oh, they don't care about me. <laughs> and probably couldn't pronounce my name either. Yeah. It's because I, he's got NyQuil. That's why. Yeah, NyQuil. So with NyQuil and all his counterparts here in the, the cast, what did you think of the cast itself, Tony? All right, so Paula Patton, was she an actress? Before this, or was she something else? She was. I had. She was in Hitch and Deja Vu. So she was an actress, huh? She had about eight, nine movies before she actually got Mission Impossible and Ghost Protocol. Because the only thing I recognize her from is Hitch. I didn't know who the hell she was when this movie came out, and eventually I found out that she was she's married or whatever to the guy who sung that um uh dog. Blank on the name, the Blurred Lines. Yeah, I hate that fucking song so goddamn much. So immediately it was just kind of like, oh, you're married to that asshole? <laughs> They're divorced. They divorced this year. So oh, good. Good. She probably came to her senses because that song's terrible. Uh, hey, hey. Simon Pegg, great that he's popping back up. Jeremy Renner, that's kind of cool that they brought him in here. Apparently they were going to bring him in because they wanted him to take the franchise away. And like if Tom Cruise wasn't going to do it, that they would stick with him. Sort of the same what they did with the Bourne franchise, but it doesn't seem like it's working out for either of them for him. So he's probably pissed. He's like, <laughs> oh, I'll get to be the new Mission Impossible guy and the new Bourne guy. And they're like, Matthew. yeah, Matt Damon yeah, and Tom Cruise are going to stick around. Yeah, you're going to be Hawkeye. Oh, great, I'll be in Avengers. Yeah, but you're not going to be in too much of Avengers. He's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, 
I missed out on Ving Rhames not being in this movie other than one scene. That was a shame. Like, he's so cool in all the other films, and he's only in one shot in this movie, and that's it. But really cool that they kept the tradition going of killing somebody big early off, uh, early on in the movie, Josh Holloway. Like, that guy could have been a great spy in some kind of a franchise or, like, a Bond villain or something like that. And um, killing off his character works with the film, and I buy him being somebody who could just kind of, like, they present to you, like, all right, this guy is an agent. And you're like, all right. Like, yeah, <laughs> Josh Holloway can be a fucking agent. And as much as I would have thought going into this that Paula Patton would suck, I bought her being an agent, too. So I really think that all the casting is good. And uh, we were talking about earlier with Mission Impossible 2 stealing a lot from the Bond films. Leia Seydoux, I think is how you pronounce her name, is uh, one of the villains in this. She's going to be in the new Bond film, Spectre. And there's something oddly sexy about her. I don't quite know what it is. She's clearly, like, nuts. But, I don't know, maybe I kind of dig crazy <laughs> checks a little bit. Like, I explained the last X. But <laughs> I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, damn, she would totally kill, like, everybody. She's kind of hot. <laughs> so I like the casting for this all around, and the only downside to it is uh, not as much Ving Rhames, and no returning, like, Anthony Hopkins, no returning Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, you know. Sean, what were your thoughts on the casting? Well, speaking of hot, Tom Cruise's grew his hair back <laughs> off this fucking film. Fair play. <laughs> Simon Pegg is Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is always funny. Jeremy Renner, not a fan. Poor Don't like him at all. Hawkeye. Hawkeye sucks. Still green arrows. Let's be honest. Sorry. You gotta be biased. I, I just don't like, I just don't like him. I, I never liked him in the new Bourne film. That was awful. Bad film. Speaking of bad films. The Bourne film. The Bourne films just sucked, to be fair. <laughs> I only saw the first one. You, you didn't miss much. Paula Payton, is that is that the right one? That that's Jane Carter, yeah. She was she was pretty sexy, you know. Yeah, spy get up. I would totally destroy her. <laughs> you sure you wouldn't fall asleep? Well, it depends if NyQuil is here, you know? NyQuil. Oh, fuck NyQuil, Kurt Hendricks. Um, obviously, this is kind of a revitalization of the franchise, more or less, uh, considering the first film came out 11 years prior. You guys both mentioned that if you're going to sit down and say, hey, am I going to launch a Mission Impossible film, you should probably start with this one. Do you feel that we'll, we'll move one through three out, if you started with four and just kept going with new stuff, this is all you would need. We'll start with you, Sean. Uh, I was replying to a text. Can you say that again, please? We'll start with you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll give you a recap in the middle of doing it. Yeah, I think that you kind of can uh, start this film and you sort of pick it up after that. But at the same time, you're missing out on like a lot of the things that make this film a little bit better. Like, the running through line of the film that is the entire purpose of Jeremy Renner's character is the idea that he was present when they killed Tom Cruise's wife. So, you don't see her at all. I mean, spoilers, of course. You know, we always spoil things in For Real. She is still alive at the end, and it was just, you know, like a typical Mission Impossible, haha, fuck you, kind of a thing. But 
without knowing that and stuff like you kind of don't feel like, oh, well, that's why Tom Cruise is a little bit more unchained in this movie because he lost his wife. Well, you know, well, you can get into the movie and you can get the sense of that, but it just doesn't serve as well. Like kind of the same way with the Bond films. Um, when Skyfall came out, I made my girlfriend at the time uh, watch the Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace because I couldn't get her to watch all the other ones. <laughs> But I knew that it was going to be a big film as far as, like, the franchise goes for fans of the series because it was the anniversary. So for somebody like myself, you know, I love the Bond films and I own every single one of them. And it's hard to watch 20-something movies. But if you watch all those movies and they do a line, like in Skyfall, where he Q says... Well, were you expecting an exploding pen? I'm like, that's ah, Goldmine. And then they show the car and it's the one from Goldfinger. And I'm like, that's fucking Goldfinger. Like, <laughs> kind of shit. Like, it makes it so much better. So watching Mission Impossible 4, having seen the first three, makes it better. But I don't think that it's kind of a, it hinges on it. Like, you can't watch Return of the Jedi and not have seen at <laughs> least a new hope in Empire. <laughs> Why did they kill that guy, and why do I care that he's saving his son? <laughs> yeah, and who is this Han Solo guy, and why the fuck is he so bad that he's captured before the movie starts? Like, you know, it's not like that where you have to literally watch it ahead of time, or like you can't watch Godfather 2 without having watched Godfather 1. But you, you can get away with it a little bit, you know. So, Sean, uh, do you feel that if you started here at Ghost Protocol and just watched the new ones coming out, does it justify as a standalone film and building a new franchise? Yes, you can skip the other three because the other three are boring as shit. (laughs) (laughs) But the long hair in the second one, man. You got long hair in this. That's fine. I think what Mission Impossible 2 is coming down to is just watching like a motion graphic of Tom Cruise's hair to the background music of Hans Zimmer. Just uh, uh, kind of shit that they have in the background, and just have him like hair blowing, and it's just like Mission Impossible Two. The, the opening scene alone is like better than all the three films combined. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like Frank Sinatra playing in the background when he's like, giving prisons, fucking great. Oh, I thought you were talking about the opening scene of Mission Impossible Two. <laughs> no, Mission Impossible Three was uh, protocol. Got me end. All right, to give you some facts, the music was again done by Michael Cannoli. The cinematography was done by Robert <laughs> Elswit, uh, edited by Paul Hirsch, distributed again by Paramount Pictures, and this time released in December, on December 21st, 2011, with a runtime of 133 minutes, a budget of $145 million, and then a box office of a $694.7 million. No wonder Tom Cruise can start his own church. Tony! High points, low points, and a ranking, 1 to 10. High point, showing the wife at the end being okay. I liked that they kept the continuity of his wife instead of just sweeping it under the rug. Like, the Bond films, one of the downsides to those movies, or upsides, depending on how you look at it, is that each film kind of moves on. There's a new Bond girl, and he just, like, sometime between the last movie that, like stopped existing that relationship did you not watch quantum of solace well there's only two times where it actually God. comes through it's quantum the the casino royale quantum of solace stuff and with uh tracy in uh on her majesty's secret service but uh i liked how they kept her alive too instead of killing her off because they could have just killed her off i mean that would have made sense but 
I liked the idea that it was sort of happier, and that's sort of making me think that when they decide to end this franchise, it would be cool if he got back together with her. And I like when movies end kind of happy. They don't have to, you know, if it's forced, but it does kind of make me feel a little bit better. I don't know. Maybe I, like, need movies to be happy because my life blows or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But uh my least favorite scene is probably the sandstorm chase because you can't see, like, a goddamn thing of what's happening in the movie. So, oh, you know what? Actually, another positive is the the climbing scene. Very similar to the vault scene, the tension is really cool. Um, one to ten? Yeah, what the hell? I'll give this one a seven, too. Sean, what were your final thoughts? High point, low point, and a ranking one to ten. High point! The opening prison scene. I, I like Frank Sinatra and I listen to Frank Sinatra constantly. So hearing his music in an action film was pretty badass. And then the opening credits where t- Tom escapes the prison, he goes light the fuse and you got the whole fuse yeah, going to the cool. music. That was pretty badass. There's your James Bond moment with the gun on the opening credits. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, that's all I can remember from watching it. Because I fell asleep before the Dubai stuff happens. So, yeah. <laughs> Simon Pegg was pretty good, though. What I remember of Simon Pegg. He was a lot more focused, you know. He had more more screen time. That's the fucking win on this film than he did on 3, I think. Oh, Benny. He's a good character. Benji, Benny, Benji, Benny. Yeah, he takes that screen time away from Luther, though. Ah, fucking Finland. He's a, he's doing his own thing as Superman. That's not the same guy. <laughs> oh. He's the dead dude? Yeah, dead dude. No? No. no I, <laughs> he's the guy that's been in all the other movies. Thing no, don't use fucking actors' names, man. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Christ, the only one I know is Simon Pegg and Tom Cruise. So was your ranking three? Uh, this one, uh, I give... I'd give a seven. Oh shit! It's it's, it's an action film. If, if you're gonna watch an action film, you may as well watch this out of the out of all of them. It's better than Jack Reacher, that's for sure. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. The mission is complete. We've made it through all four films, barely, but we've well, done. Sean it. didn't. <laughs> actually, actually, no, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna change my mind. Actually, Jack Reacher is a better film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 Let's go around the panel and see what you guys are up to. Tony, we'll start with you. Uh, well, all right. If you want to check out all the other stuff coming from fanboysanonymous.com, I'm sure I probably will be seeing Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, so I might be having a review point up pretty soon after that. Depends on when I get a chance to see it. And uh, we, of course, will be doing another group meeting and you know the typical monthly kind of things. Not too sure what we're going to do next month for For Real, but leave us uh, comments below if you have any suggestions. And uh, for the wrestling side of things, smartoutmoment.com. You can check out the Smack Talk podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. You can check out the All Talk Show whenever we decide to do that on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. And if you want to do anything else related to a mango tree... Just start clicking on my name, and I'll have links all over the place for you on the internet. Mr. Walker, what are you doing? Uh, if you like my sexy, sexy voice, why not head over to twitch.tv forward slash shaughnessy1989 to watch me play some video games and fail at video games. If not, if you haven't got time to watch me on the Twitch, you can always catch my 
streams, which I will upload to my YouTube, which is youtube.com forward slash shawnacy 2 k 37 Or you can check out the CinemaSins based off of his things. (laughs) Or just, you know, tell tell Jeremy that I sent you, and you never know, he might give me a (laughs) shout-out. With buds. This is the four-wheel movie clubs talking about your shit. (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. That is another four-wheel movie club in the books. Thank you for taking the leap leap of faith with us and listening to us uh, review Mission Impossible. Go check out the new one. Like Tony said, we'll probably have a review point up for it a little bit later. Uh, So, once again, thank you for uh, listening to the Four Wheel Movie Club and keep on watching the movies. Dace Man out. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. I'm too old for this. Good day, sir! You stay classy, San Diego. Rose? Well, we're going, we don't need. Rose. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm finished. That'll help you. I'll come. Hasta la vista, baby. Hey, everybody! We're all gonna get late! You're still here? It's over. Go home. <laughs>